ओम ज्ञान ज्ञानंजन शलाकया चक्षुरन मिलिताम ये नस्मय श्री गुरुवे नम Not in 
exactly the sense of physical sense of seeing, but the sense of interpreting what you see. Everyone sees, except those who are physically blind. The atheist says, show me God, but even if you show him, he can't see him. Even if he's had, even if he sees the form of God in front of him, he can't see him. Because seeing is not simply uh, a reflection of the eyeball, or impact on the eyeball, but it's an interpretation of what we see. When we, when we say in English, I see, means I understand. So what we see, how we interpret what we see, this is the subject of philosophy. So how to see clearly? Those who are foolish, they cannot see. Those who see through the eyes which they see, what do they see? Who knows the beginning of the verse? That the living being transmigrates from body to body to body. Those who rely on their power of seeing to see cannot see this. But those who see through the eye of Shastra, they see it. Understand it through the eye of Shastra. But those who are influenced by Shoka, Harsha, Bhaya, Risha, Loka, Moha, Mother, all these bad qualities which cover the soul, they cover the ability to see actually what is what. It's different people will see the same situation and interpret it in a different way. If you read the Indian press about what's going on in Kashmir and the Pakistani press, you'll get a different impression because they see it from a different viewpoint. That Chanaka Pandit has given the example that the same object, namely a beautiful woman, is seen in different ways. They, the same form is seen, but the lusty man sees, this is something for me to enjoy. The sadhu sees something of no significance to him, just like a dead body. The living or dead, he has the same attraction. He's, he's, he's neither repulsed by a dead body or not attracted. He's neither repulsed by a beautiful body nor attracted. And uh, an animal like a dog or a tiger may see is some nice food. There's no concern whether it's beautiful or not. It doesn't consider such a thing. It's just in him, it's flesh. That's all. That's the same object, it's viewed in different ways. According to the bhava, according to the way of thinking of it, the attitude one of the doctor. So the Supreme Lord, who is the object of love for all living beings, is the object of hatred for those who have vipareta buddhi, those whose intelligence is turned around to the opposite to what it should be. Here we have the example of Devaki and Vasudeva are pure devotees whose their, their pure love for Krishna is unobstructed by Shoka, Harsha, Maya, Nityami. But the uh, demons represented by Kamsa, he's a Mahaja rep representative of the demons. His attitude towards Krishna is one of hatred because Bhayam, Bhayam Nitya Vinibhesha Tasya. Ishaadhi Kya Sipti Kaya Yasmati. 
this color, fire, fear. Fear here is stated representing all the material qualities. If one is in the atmosphere of fear, if he's not near the heart, if he's not at the fearless lotus feet of Krishna, then he comes to the material energy and his Adinivesha, his concept of life, changes to that of the opposite. It's natural for us to love Krishna, but when we come to the material atmosphere, then it changes completely. Just like we expect, we're not surprised when we hear someone say, I love my mother. But if we hear someone say, I hate my mother, I want to kill her, stab her. It's unusual. It seems unnatural. It is unnatural. Same way, it's natural for us to love Krishna. But if we are envious of Krishna, we deny Krishna. If we, if the name of Krishna, as it does in some people, if you say the name Krishna, it's not so common in India, but in the West you get that, or, or the name God. Some people, they, they become angry, upset, it agitates them, even to speak of God. Or if you're chanting, in the, even in India, you say some chanting, why are you chanting? Why are you, why are you saying the name? You know, why do you want to give a name to God? No name. They become agitated and angry. It means they're in an unnatural situation. Just like someone saying, I hate my mother, I want to kill my mother, I want to stab her. Don't talk about my mother. Unnatural situation. So they're seeing that, that that is perverted. If someone says, I hate my mother, then you think it's a perverted way of thinking. Maybe they need to get some psychiatric treatment. They're not in a normal way of thinking. So, in the same way, if someone hates Krishna or is not grateful to Krishna, has no attraction to Krishna, they're in a perverted way of thinking. They're not seeing properly. They've got the wrong concept of life, which acts against their own self-interest, because it, while we say, it says here that those who are covered by shoka, harsha, bhaya, dvisha, dvisha, this is the, dvisha means this, bad feelings, asadbhavan, often we hear sadbhavan, good feelings, good will, so, those who have asadbhavan, bad will, Vish, bad feelings towards the Supreme Lord. They cannot understand it. But how do those bad They can't understand him, but the very act of turning away from him causes all these other qualities to come. So that both this envy of the Lord is both cause and effect of his not being able to understand him. Krishna Bodhisattva Anadi Kahimok. When we want to forget Krishna, then we become inimical to him. Because there's no way to forget Krishna unless we're inimical to him. It's not possible. If you think I'll just forget Krishna, it's not possible. Because it's our natural tendency, very strongly, to love Krishna. Just like the strong tendency of, is for a magnet to attract iron. So our very strong tendency is to be attracted by Krishna. So it's not, it's not possible to forget Krishna simply by becoming neutral. One has to become envious of him. One has to make the endeavor to run in the opposite direction. Only then can one escape 
the love of Krishna, which is madness. Because it's the cause of our suffering in this material world. So that, that which or that envy of Krishna gives rise to so many other bad qualities, some of which are listed here. False jubilation, lamentation, fear, illusion, madness. This it's all a package to you. You can't be envious of Krishna and expect to be happy. All these qualities will come. These bad qualities are in themselves the cause of our suffering. Sometimes, you see, the illusion is so strong that people try to encourage these bad qualities, especially in the modern demoniac society. They try to encourage it as if this is something that's going to make you happy. Especially in the modern society, they're cultivating this, this uh, the film, Hindi films, they're cultivating this mood of be nasty, be mean, be rude. In the, uh, in the Western movies you also see this. I can never say that guy. I think he's out of fashion now. This Arnold Schwarzenegger, whatever. What's his name? He went out of fashion. I don't think that anyone. I happen to be on a What's that? Airport. Oh, they were shy. So, I think it was him. I mean, some guy with some body about six times bigger than him. So you see him just... Someone's talking in a phone booth. And this guy Arnold Schwarzenegger walks up and he just... pulled <laughs> him. No, he just picked the guy up by the neck and pulled him out. And he started using the phone. So this kind of attitude he wanted to use the phone, but he didn't want to wait for the phone. So this kind of... This kind of attitude, they're encouraging, demoniac attitude. That if you're like this, this will make you happy. This is the way to be. Don't care for anyone. Be rude, be nasty, be mean. They're encouraging, but actually these qualities, they cause distress. The, di- the divine qualities, they lead to even in the material world, those who are, those who cultivate good qualities, they're relatively happy. But if you cultivate such qualities, be mean, nasty, don't care for anything, then no one cares for you. But if they care for you, it's only by fear. There's no love. And when you come to the bottom line of everything, love is all in it. In the words of mankind. Ultimately, that is our prime need, love, love for Krishna. But if we have hatred of Krishna or bad feelings towards Krishna, then we'll have bad feelings towards everyone else. Why do we suffer? Why do we have problems? You see now, so many devotees come this problem, that problem. What's the ultimate cause? If we don't love Krishna. You may say, well, it's because of this or it's because of that or often it's because of him. He is the problem of my, he is the cause of my problems. But actually the cause is that we don't know Krishna. It's the ultimate cause of our problems. It manifests in so many different ways. Shoka, Harsha, Mayakvesha, so many different ways. Problems are caused. But the ultimate cause is that we don't know Krishna. Now here it's very interesting that Vasudeva is 
speaking with high philosophy to Kamsa, and Kamsa's agree. This superficial. But that's it, it's only superficial, because you'll find the next thing Kamsa calls together all these ministers and says, Hey, what's going on? There's some problem. The eighth child of Devaki was supposed to kill me, and then what happened? The child is born somewhere else. Okay, what do you suggest we do? See, just he was with Vasudev and he's talking all nice philosophy and everything's caused by providence and yes, let's be good and let's be nice. And then he went back again to his bad association and he said that the, the Durga had said that this child, the girl child born of Devaki said your, your killer is born somewhere else. So what we'll do, you had the plan to kill all of Devaki's children so that the child wouldn't kill him. So now the child is born somewhere else, so the solution is we'll kill all the children that have been born recently. Demonium. That's what he thought. To protect myself, I'll kill all the children who have been born as completely demonic, even though now he's talking such nice high philosophy with Vasudev. So sometimes we see that, that we'll speak to people and they'll say, yes, yes, that's true, your philosophy is very nice, but then you go away and the next second they're just back to their completely demoniac ways. Even people may superficially agree with what you say. They'll stop and think about it. But then they'll just go on with their smoking, drinking, exploiting others, completely interested only where is money with them, as if that was the only thing in life. So it's, we were discussing about well, how to preach Preaching means changing people's lives. Even they, you see, even here comes to us agreeing with what Vasudev is saying. But he's not changing his life. His life was only possible to change by death. That was the only way to change Kamsa. Krishna did that. The only way he was going to stop oppressing others was to be given transference to another body. And even then, the attitude may continue. It's not, sometimes people think, well, kill the person to get rid of the problem. It doesn't. Because it continues, they'll continue on another sphere. Or even we're discussing providence here, if you think someone is harassing them, get rid of them or shut them up. But the problem will come because you're destined to get it. Therefore, Vasudev is speaking this. He himself is a living emblem of accepted providence that he very peacefully stayed under the oppression of Kamsa. We don't find any record of him protesting to Krishna. Krishna was born in four hands. We don't find the Vasudev saying, Hey, you're my son and you're God. Why don't you get us out of this prison? He didn't think of such a thing. He simply thought how to protect Krishna. Then he went back to the prison to face the wrath of Kamsa. He didn't ask Krishna, deliver me from this situation. He was ready to accept whatever difficulties, even knowing that the Supreme Lord is his own son. Whereas Kamsa, as a typical demon, his whole life is a record of how he's trying to manipulate and control the situation for sense gratification and ultimately failing. He's a very major demon, therefore his failure in trying to control the material energy came through the agency of Krishna directly. But otherwise it comes through the agency of the material energy. Everyone's trying to control the material nature in various ways. 
but ultimately they are controlled. Their apparent control is only apparent. As you see, there are so many cases of people think I'm, I'm in control of the situation, but then it just collapses. There are so many instances. Harshad Mehta, famous name, who was manipulating the stock market and making a lot of money, and then all of a sudden, forgot about him already? Yeah, but all of a sudden, well, the rug was pulled around him and he had to suffer. He had to suffer considerably for some time. Cancer wasn't suffering. He was in prison with Jordans. Anyway, there are so many instances of someone who's on top of the world and then they have to suffer. They're pulled down. Some of them, Prabhupada gave the example of Napoleon of France, who conquered here and conquered there. But then he, ultimately he was in a situation he had to drink horses He was on the battlefield, there's nothing else. He was exiled and he died in ignominy on one on Corsica. He was in exile. It was British put him down. So even though he was such a great, the great emperor, Napoleon, he was. But he was, he had to be humiliated. So that is the nature of material life. Those who can see, they can start to improve themselves. Those who don't see, they'll think that material life is very nice. And they, even though they're suffering from shoka, lamentation, which naturally follows jubilation in material life, jubilation is naturally followed by shoka, shoka harsha. Because Jubilate, you become jubilant when you get something or you achieve something, but you can't keep it and then you lament. Therefore, Krishna says, those nashojati nakamshati, those who don't anger and those who don't lament, they are happy. You're always shoka, lamenting, you're lamenting for something I didn't get, or you're lamenting for something I got and I lost. That is material life. The whole of material life means sometimes you have a little jubilation. Like when you get something that you want, but then you're always lamenting for something that more than you want, that you didn't get. And you see, even the top business executives who have so much money, that they are still hankering, hankering, hankering. So, Brahma Bhuta Prasanna Atma, Nashochati, Nakamchati, Samasarvesha Kutishu, then, this is the position of happiness. I, I just saw something very interesting came on the came through come. There's one story of one American Harvard Business School graduate was in India, he was in a big city, and he saw a man coming into the from the village in a bullock cart with mangoes. So he thought this is quite primitive, so he stopped him. It's a theoretical story. The man speaks. They're speaking. It's not a joke. Speaking English. Well, I guess it's a joke. So he said. So the IBM, uh, sorry, Harvard business graduate. He said to him, "So uh, you're coming in on a bullock cart with these mangoes. Doesn't seem to be very advanced. Maybe I can give you some advice how to improve your situation. Tell me what is your situation." Well, he says, "I have a mango garden." 
and I come in once a week to the market and bring mangoes and I have a little ground for cultivation and cow and he said, well, what do you do with your day? I mean, you could be making more money, probably. He said, well, you know, I have a very full life, you know. I, in the morning I work in the garden, in my fields and uh, once a week I come into the market and then in the afternoon I take a little rest and then I, in the evening I spend a little time with my children, playing with them and, and uh, in the evening I go into the village and have a little lassie to drink and meet with my friends and say, what? You're wasting, you're wasting so much of your time. What you should do, you should take a bank loan, get, get some more land, invest then you could maybe uh, increase and you could, maybe you could buy a huge estate and have big mangoes and export them and make pickles and jam and you could become a multi-millionaire. I said, well, what would be the benefit of that? And how much time would it take? I said, well, it would take, probably take about 20 years to become a multi-millionaire. And uh, what would be the benefit? I said, well, then you could retire and then you could just peacefully enjoy life and you could, you know, have time to spend with your kids and your friends and say, well, I'm already doing it. <laughs> I don't need to have a multi-millionaire. I, I do a little work and I have time. But the multi-millionaire has to work like an ass for 25 years so that he can have time to do what, do what, he, do what he likes. But the Vedic or the natural way of life is to live a very simple life, not work like an ass. And then you automatically get all these things side by side. Actually, if you, if you have so much free time, you become bored anyway. If you don't have some work. And if you have only work, then you become frustrated. So the natural, simple way of life is, you do some work, and you have spare time. And spare time you use for cultivating Krishna consciousness, and it's also social life. It's also the Kriyaskas. You have time to spend with their friends, their family, and children. Usually the time spent playing with the children is separate from the Bhagavatam. So I guess you're a busy I guess you're a busy business executive, so you have to put the two things together. So anyway, Chandra Krishna. He came from your mother's belly, from your wife's belly. In Bengali, that's uh, one, one way of saying it. A woman, she, I'm a pig at you. A woman says, I mean, I have a stomach, it means I'm pregnant. All right, how are you? Any questions? Let us face down faster. What is better, for poor children, to, for poor families to have many children or to use some form of artificial birth control? They have many children, they can't look after them properly. Then they don't understand the purpose of... They don't understand why you should have... Uh, 
self-restraint as birth control, because the whole propaganda of society is opposite. They can't, even if they can understand it, it's difficult for them to take it up. So maybe, maybe a little artificial birth control, considering the modern circumstances, isn't such a bad thing. Probably a lot of devotees in our movement are doing. Them. Seems practical, doesn't it? Simple. That's the problem. Get a simple reaction. I just got a letter from a disciple who, more or less, you know, without more or less, you know saying that having artificial birth control and then uh, something came in from anyway it's quite controversial from one of our centers where the lawyers are doing some welfare work no not donating village uplift and coordinating with foreign Societies like Red Cross, social up in, in the villages around, and then cooperate with the Red Cross. And you're not going to get Red Cross loans. You have to support their programs like artificial birth control. What about the Well, it's one way of learning money, isn't it? They're doing that in the Gulf? Yeah. Well, uh, working for a city corp also isn't they doing. That's true. Practically nothing they're doing is they doing. Practically nothing they're doing is they doing. Even though they pride themselves on being South Indian Brahmins, their lifestyle is about as far removed from permanent meals. And, and their piety, their vritti is absolutely removed. They're working for absolute malachas. And probably, you know, working for City Corp, it means they're financing. They finance slaughterhouses. Probably, uh, I'm sure City Corp, all these big corporations, but the money for all these drugs and everything, I'm sure they're not, you know, they're not, they've got a big halo on their head. Where's all this money? Indirectly, indirectly, but definitely slaughterhouses, arms, not these arms, these arms. That's what I'm saying, laundering money means drugs and so many things. Not directly So anyway, the point is that uh, here is that 
you're talking about blood donation, I mean everything else they're doing is far removed from Vedic culture, so why insist on this? Long way removed. We have quite a few as air hostesses and stewardess. Several. There are quite a quite a few initiated devotees here. They have a separation in their brain between, between their principles and, and their jobs. It's the law of economic necessity. Yeah. James, they'll, you know, they'll put beef, they'll put buffalo fat in the, in the dalda. They'll never take it. They'll never consider taking it. Stores, newspaper stores. They all have. Uh, they all have pornographic magazines. Sorry, what? In this regard, I have one question. Oh. He said that uh, some of our Muslims uh, are serving as uh, Arabs, mm. and they are serving as beef and beef and all that. Mm. But in Bhagavad Gita, it is Krishna says that one should not give up one muscular activity, even if it is full of wives. That means in the Banashram system. That's, there's no prescribed duty for, for being an air hostess. Prescribed duty means they should have been married when they were eight years old, according to the Ashram system. Before puberty. Not necessarily eight, but at least by eleven. So it's the same thing. It's the economic pressure of economic necessity, modern life. What can you do? Therefore, Prabhupada wanted to. Prabhupada wanted to set up alternative society, so we don't have, I mean, it's, it's easy for us to say all these things, but for those who, are, those who have to make a living, it's difficult for them to be free from it. So, unless and until we have an alternative living arrangement, I guess our devotees are going to be serving beef on airplanes. I mean, I personally, I advise someone to try and get a different job. It's not so easy to get jobs. Now they computerized everything, so that took up so many jobs. The more they, the more technology advances, the less jobs there, there are, because that's what machines—they do the jobs which people used to do. Had a question? once with a man who's been associated with our devotees for about a year and he's chanting I think 16 rounds for some time now 
And I, I, he was asking me about what project he should do for his PhD, and he was going to do something about improving the economic condition of farmers. And I said to him that it's not going to, they're not going to become more happy if they get more money. And the look of complete disbelief on his face, even though he's chanting 16 rounds, reading prophets, but complete disbelief that money is going to make you happy. So it's difficult because people are foolish. How can you convince? Again, it's not, it's not just a matter of philosophy that's going to convince people. You can be as right as right as right. We are right. But it's not, it's not actually philosophy which convinces so much that is there, but people, the association of devotees, but they have to be influenced by the purity of the devotee. We'll see that. But you know, Tarko says that by association with devotees, many people gave up bad habits such as wasting time, chewing tobacco, and so on. It's by association, by the philosophy, of course, is, is when, when they. But this point is here that your Kamsa can't see the same thing that Vasudev can see because there's a different outlook on life. So when, when one's outlook on life is changed or when his consciousness becomes somewhat purified by association with God, then he can understand the philosophy and act on it. So philosophy is the that is required. But it's what's going on when we're preaching. I was talking yesterday about soul to soul resuscitation. It's it's a dynamic process going on between two people. It's not like playing chess two computers, one against another, who can defeat the other. It's heart to heart. Put your hand in your mouth. You should go and wash it immediately. Immediately means you should have been up there. Hare Krishna, no.